to the fifth episode of our podcast series, Bridging the Gaps, organized by FASTA, the Foundation for the Economics of Sustainability, and the European Health Futures Forum, EHFF. I'm Sean O'Conline, agus maris gnach ta roiv. And I'm Caroline White. In reaction to the tumultuous events of the past few months, we've been hearing a great many calls from different places for a more resilient and just societal model. For example, the European Economic and Social Committee adopted a resolution in June 2020 which stated, we cannot simply restore what existed in the past, we need to restructure and improve it. An official representing employers in the Council, Petr Zaradnik, commented that society is in need of qualitative restructuring. The Chinese government has excluded GDP growth targets from its economic planning for the first time in 18 years because of uncertainty about whether such targets are attainable. Instead, it is focusing on building stability in different sectors of the Chinese economy, including food and energy security and stable supply chains. The French president, Emmanuel Macron, also commented in a speech on March the 12th last that the pandemic is leading us all, quote, to question the development model to which our world has been committed for decades and which reveals its flaws in broad daylight to question the weaknesses of our democracies. An obvious question about all of this is just how society and the economy could be organised in a way that's more resilient, stable and just. Back in the days when attending international meetings was easier than it is now, to be precise, in November of last year, Sean participated in a conference in Hoitzen in the Netherlands, organised by an NGO called Metaforum. The event's aim was to continue developing work that was started by a cybernetician called Stafford Beer on co-designing a new revolutionary platform for dramatic and massive systemic change in business and society. Stafford Beer is particularly renowned for an approach to organisation called the Viable Systems Model, or VSM. VSM has interested quite a few FASTA members over the years, including FASTA's late co-founder, John Jopling. John's study of VSM led to a restructuring of FASTA from a traditional non-profit, which based its actions on decisions made at somewhat unwieldy executive committee meetings, to a structure built on working groups that aims to decentralise power within the organisation as much as possible, while also facilitating our internal communication. Later on, we'll also be hearing about how the European Health Futures Forum is influenced by VSM. But first, let's hear Sean's interview from the Metaforum meeting with John Walker, who is the co-author with Angela Espinosa of the book A Complexity Approach to Sustainability, Theory and Practice. I'm sitting speaking with John Walker, who's one of the organisers of this Metaforum event. So, John, what is Metaforum, or what's the background to it? Okay, Metaforum is a a group of people, a a loose association of people, which was started in 2002 after Stafford Beer died. And it was a group of us who had known Stafford, um, some of us very well indeed, and admired him and his work and, and the potential which it holds for, for society, for change and for, for surviving the, uh, the situation we're in, the various multiple crises we're facing at the moment. So 2002 Stafford dies and a bunch of us said that we have to do something to make sure that Stafford's legacy survives and that we develop his work and that we get the word out there and we, we do what we need to do to, to, to make sure these ideas continue. Um, so we held a meeting in Scarborough, which was organised by Angela Espinosa, and 
about 30 to 40 people gathered in Scarborough and that was the start of Metaforum and we've met um, pretty much once a year ever since then. There were a couple of years in the middle where uh, there was a lack of energy and we stopped meeting but uh, it's basically people who originally knew Stafford and now people who discovered Stafford subsequently and um, understand the potential of his work and we meet together to, to continue that work. The perspective we take on this is that uh, a lot of the problems that we're facing are a consequence of the way that we look at the world, the way we think, the way we deal with problems, the way we organise ourselves, a whole range of things which comes out of a, a very, very old um, approach based on Isaac Newton and René Descartes and this, this whole um, scientific revolution that happened, which did incredible, incredible piece of work, did lots of very, very good stuff, but we believe it needs to be complemented with a more systemic view of the world, which says, okay, we can set up businesses and make lots of money, but what else is going on? What are the systemic implications of what we do? And looking in a more, um, a more holistic way at the world and looking at a lot of the, the unintended consequences of what's going on and try and reorganise the way that we function. And um, if, if anybody wants to look into this, there's an extraordinary book by Fridjof Capra, which was written a long time ago now, a book called The Turning Point who goes through the way that the Newtonian mechanical clockwork view of the universe leads to pretty much all the institutions we've got and the way that we run the world. And that if we want to move beyond that, we have to drop that paradigm and start thinking in a more holistic, systemic, wider um, way which doesn't reduce everything to silos and small individual particles and say that's all we need to know, but looks at all the interrelationships, all the patterns all the way that things interact on, on a very, very wide basis. And, and, and that's systems, and, and, and cybernetics is a, is a part of that. And cybernetics is about the way that we, we organise ourselves, um, particularly our self-organisation. And the work that we focus on here is Stafford Beer's work, which is the way that he derived the model called the Viable Systems Model, which is based, was inspired originally by the workings of the human body and how the brain and the central and the autonomic nervous systems coordinate the operation of the muscles and organs and create the, um, the, the, the glory of the human being and the, the wisdom of the body and all that sort of stuff. And, and if you can understand those principles, then you can apply those to the way society and businesses and institutions work and you get a completely different view of the universe looking in that way. This particular coming together is not quite finished. Uh, we're coming in uh, this afternoon to the closing, but uh, as the organiser, uh, have you had any surprises or what do you think has been achieved uh, this particular time? Oh, there's always lots of surprises. I mean, there were, there were a number of uh, very wonderful surprises, lots of talks that we weren't expecting to be as, um, as good and inspiring as they were. We, we're very, very happy to um, have blockchain coming into the conversation because of this this whole decentralised um, organisational stuff which is coming out of blockchain, which I think offers, offers all sorts of opportunities. So that's been very interesting. There's been a couple of talks which um, uh, were, um, the, the, the debate was a, a little more antagonistic <laughs> than we expected, but uh, that, was very, uh, that was very good as well. So no, it's been, been a very good meeting and lots of, lots of people who haven't been before that we're very pleased to welcome into the community. Um, lots of people who are just discovering Stafford's work. So, so we, we covered a very, a very broad spectrum from people um, like Elena and Javier Livas who've known Stafford 
since the 1980s, and I met Stafford in 1985, and Andrew and I have known him for a long time, and worked on his, um, on his ideas and put them, applied them in various different places. And then people who have only known about him for a few, few months, who come across Stafford Beer, find out about us, and we welcome them and we embrace them and we, we hope that we can help them to develop their, their thinking and, and that they can contribute their new ideas to the community. So it's, it's very much a, um, a community of people who want to work together and collaborate and help each other. And I think there is this, um, the, this the, there are certain uh, aspects to it which are, are very clear. And one of them is that we all very much value Stafford's work and think it has enormous potential and that it's been pretty much neglected particularly by the, uh, by the business community, and that we would like to see it much more widely um, debated and, uh, and applied. That was John Walker, the co-author of the book A Complexity Approach to Sustainability, speaking with Sean O'Conloy. Next, we're going to hear Sean interviewing Ian Kendrick. Ian, who's based in Wirral, England, specialises in facilitating teams to work together to develop and deliver strategic innovation in turbulent environments. Sean began by asking Ian what brought him to the Metaforum. The reason I've come to this particular Metaforum conference, well, there isn't one reason, there are several reasons. One is to meet up to a community to which I feel I belong, which is people who care about the planet and care about trying to behave differently and more systemically towards the future for our grandkids and their grandkids. So that's a very personal, but actually a public reason why I'm here. The other reason this year is I'm presenting this year, and uh, the thing I'm presenting on, which somewhat floored me yesterday when Angela called it a multi-sided platform for change. The reason it floored me is yes, it's a multi-sided platform, but Platform for Change is one of the four of Stafford's books I read in about three months in, in 1994. Um, and Platform for Change really, really, really impressed me. Uh, it's an unusual book, uh, but it lays out the arguments for cybernetic thinking around uh, issues on the planet. That started a journey uh, in 1994, which led to me <coughs> being able to lead some research on the emergence of online communities and what they would do. And they have potential because online communities can generate more variety by the number of people who can come in and interact with each other than is possible to do in the physical world. As it were, you simply can't get those numbers of people together in the physical world. So that was a great interest to me. Uh, a couple of years ago, we, we, myself and colleagues, facilitated a conference called Transformations in Dundee. Transformations 2017 in, in Dundee in Scotland. And at the end of that conference, a meeting was called to establish something called the Sustainable Development Goals Transformation Forum, SDGTF, to give it its short form, and the even shorter form is just called the Forum. Now, what that is, is a group of people dedicated to understanding the deep transformation that we need if we are to shift the behaviours that we see in the world that are destructive towards our shared future. And these are the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals of the UN? United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals. They provide an umbrella for everybody to work underneath and they provide a foundation to work on. And they are well regarded and very well respected. But they generate issues. Part of the issues is they tend to they don't promote silo thinking, but one of the outcomes is silo thinking. That they're not people working in them are not connected to the other sustainable development goals that they're not working in, but which nevertheless they have impact. Everything has impact on everything else. So there's an issue around that, around coherence. 
There's also something else going on, which, which the forum, the members of the forum, members of the forum, there's a core team of 30, 40, 50, then there's about five to 600 around that, it's, it's growing quickly. What that, that team did, and members of the team are very, very, very deeply experienced in understanding how transformation actually works, the various aspects of transformation. And they identified what we call deep systems, which are the systemic behaviors beneath the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals that are actually generating the kind of issues that we have and that individually need to be transformed. So finance is one. We need to transform how finance works. Finance, a lot of the time, is based on impact of development and on giving me a financial return on my investment, not any based on intent. But what we're seeing is a shift in finance where we're now hearing about intent financing, which is so your intentions to try and make something happen in this space let's finance that, rather than giving me a cast iron guarantee you're going to deliver this and this and this. So that's very encouraging. We've then got a deep system of narrative. What are the narratives that we have around the world that tell us about our world and our history and our present and our future? Each of those things, our history, our present and our future, are the narratives, the stories we tell ourselves. And depending on where we are on the planet, there'll be different stories. Those narratives need to be transformed about what it is that we need to do, what is the kind of future we need to create, how do we need to change to be able to do that? We in the West and the North are going to have to change dramatically to be able to actually have some kind of equity in the world. Um, and there are, other, there are other such deep systems. What we're investigating with the forum is how to transform each of those deep, six deep systems and how they interact with each other into things like place-based transformation. So, one of the, the, the uh, place-based transformations that we point to is the Gulf of Maine in America. It roughly starts in Cape Cod and goes up to Nova Scotia, it's that kind of area. It has issues it is dealing with which aren't just typical of the kind of issues that we're going to have to deal with in the north and the west, but also in the south of the world as well. It happens to be sort of typical of the kind of issues that we need to address to transform, and it's not just a question of transforming one system Several systems have to interact with each other. So one is decolonization for indigenous peoples' uh, rights and, and, and land. That's a huge issue if we're really going to get equity. And if we're actually going to get harmony in the world, we have to address those types of things. So what I've been talking about today is how does that work for the, for the forum. What we discovered was actually what happens if we look at this transformation forum as a viable system using the BSN. My which is also part of why I'm part of Metaphorum, because over the years what I have learned by use is that as a diagnostic tool to look at almost any situation, it provides insights very quickly. Once you become adept at using it, the other approaches struggle to match. The problem for this community, as it is for many communities, is how to communicate that. That's hard to do, because you get wrapped up in special language and special concepts that take a long time to explain, and that, that puts a barrier in place. I like that uh, line from George Bernard Shaw, which is the first illusion of communication is to believe it's happened. Um, so what, over the years, developing a way of transmitting the basic structure of meaning of the BSM quickly, in a matter of, actually 17 minutes, I keep saying this because I can't get it done in less than 17 minutes, and then showing the diagnostic is very, very potent. So we did that with the Transformations Forum. And then we discussed what the Transformation Forum was trying to achieve. And the realisation was, 
it's what's referred to as a multi-sided platform. Now, multi-sided platforms, uh, it seems, are still not, it's not part of common parlance. If you say, oh, it's a multi-sided platform, oh yeah, of course it is. It's not well understood, it's, it's, it's a term that isn't yet embedded in our culture. And yet, the multi-sided platforms themselves are more than embedded in our culture. So, Amazon is a multi-sided platform, eBay is a multi-sided platform, Uber is a multi-sided platform, and so on. The, the irony is that multi-sided platforms as a human way of interacting goes back centuries or even millennia. It's not a new thing. Technologically, it's a new thing. And one of the things that technology does is uh, amplify what can be done in this kind of regard. Typically, if you look at eBay as a multi-sided platform, you have two sides to the platform. eBay is the platform that enables people by, in, by being in that platform, sellers of things can sell things and buyers of things can find people who are selling the kind of things that they would like to buy. And the model is, the economic model is an auction, or you can buy it now with a buy it now price and so on. So the simple thing that eBay does is first of all enable people to find each other, and secondly reduce the friction between being able to interact with each other. How do I trust you if I've never seen you before? I've got to send you money before you send me the goods. How do I know you're going to? eBay sorts that problem out for you. So that is a two-sided platform. Of course, there's a third side, which is advertising, and there's a fourth side called PayPal, and another side called data, but that's a whole other story. But that's the basic idea behind a multi-sided platform. They have built into them mechanisms which are to do with um, tending to steer towards monopolistic control of a particular space. So Amazon, for instance, is started out as an online bookshop, of course, but that sort of transformed by changed its shape into uh, a place to buy and sell things, goods and services around the world of all kinds. And multi-sided platforms like that reach a point where they become the default in this space. Want to do an online auction? eBay is the default way to do it. Facebook's trying to fight back with Facebook Marketplace, I think it's called, but actually it's still eBay. Our question was, what happens if one of the things that happens in cybernetics is you take a way of operating or behaving in one domain and map it onto another domain? So what happens if you run an organisation like an orchestra? Okay, well we'll have a conductor, and we'll have a lead violin, and we'll have the overall string section and percussion to keep time, and the conductor keeps it all in time. Okay, what happens if we take the same organisation and run it like a jazz band? Where somebody does a solo, and everybody listens and enjoys in, and it's improvisation, that's a totally different way of doing it. What happens if we run it like a hospital? We run it like an army? What happens if we just transpose from one to the other? Our question was, what happens if we transpose the ideas, design principles, and implementation strategies of multi-sided platforms into the transformation space, where the objective is not for a few people in the center to get mega, mega, mega wealthy, whilst providing a valuable service to everybody else. No, the proposition is actually to enable as many people as possible to interact in the platform around transformations, so that, for instance, somebody involved in a place-based transformation can find others who have already developed ways of thinking and working, have found the obstacles that you need to overcome, have resources to help you overcome those, maybe they have a video of what they've done, maybe they've got some PowerPoint slides, this is what you need to do, maybe they've got case studies, maybe they've got an academic paper, all sorts of resources that you could 
find about place-based transformations and find out that actually there's somebody not so far away from you who is trying to do the same thing. So you can then connect together. We want to go past that though because one of the things that we're finding, as I mentioned earlier, is that there's been transformation, mm, mm, no, there's transformation emerging in, in, in the financier community to actually finance transformation differently than they financed other initiatives in the past. They're actually saying, no, let's invest in transformation because if we don't, how is the world really going to shift? And they need to categorically, well, let me rephrase that, they recognise that they absolutely have to be part of that healthy future. So they're now looking, we want to connect finances. Well, then there's also regulatory bodies, because they need to be involved as well. Oh, and there's education. So the sides of our platform are much more than just a two-sided platform. We've got place-based transformation, we've got issues-based transformation, we've got six deep systems. Those are sides. We then have financiers, those are sides. Education is a side of the platform. If we don't embed this kind of thinking into our educational systems, how are we going to generate a better world? And there's going to be a lag. If we even get it into the educational system, there's going to be a lag before those who are educated actually come out of that system and go into the world and actually start to regenerate themselves. So the other thing that we're interested in as a side of the platform is the cybernetic community. This very community. Stafford Beer, if there's anybody who was ever ahead of his time, it was Stafford. I, I had the luxury of spending one day with him and sitting across a table having dinner with him and I was like, yeah, this, this guy is just ahead of his time. <laughs> and hopefully his time will come. Um, and each time we look at it, we think, well, maybe his time has come now. But the indicators from the world, I'm wearing an Extinction Rebellion t-shirt with Rebel for Life written on it. The reason for that is that those good people from Extinction Rebellion have pointed their finger at the issue that we all need to look at and they've done it incredibly effectively. They really have got attention to it. What we need to do now is come in and say, okay, yes, that's absolutely the right things to point to, but how are we going to transform? Practically, with proper theory and research-based initiatives that actually do deliver not the unintended consequences that we want, but the intended consequences. So the forum's trying to do that, and what I've been talking about today is, is the, the SDG Transformations Forum, thought of as a viable system, deployed as a multi-sided platform and generating shared value for our future. That was Ian Kendrick, who is also facilitating EHFF on their journey into the future. EHFF, the European Health Futures Forum, partners FASTA in these podcasts. In fact, this partnership arose from a mutual interest in VSM and also in achieving societal impact through relationship building and partnerships. EHFF itself is a community which comprises a network of over 100 voluntary members. It is cohered by an ethos which is open source, non-hierarchical, friendly and inclusive. A community united by common purpose. It strives to influence transformational change in society and in healthcare in particular using the accumulated resource, knowledge, experience and competencies of its members. It does this by the selective application of futures and strategizing methods, such as the foresight model, design thinking and disruptive innovational change approaches. 
It is perhaps no coincidence that EHFF parallels FASTA in its holistic, whole systems perspective and its desire to be a catalyst for transformation rather than taking direct action itself. We've been hearing about how VSM could help to address some of the more problematic aspects of large-scale programmes such as the Sustainable Development Goals, and also how it could be applied to an international network, the European Health Futures Forum. Now we're going to zoom down to a more local level and hear from Mike Buick, a former National Deputy Medical Director for the NHS, who's been using VSM-inspired techniques to help improve healthcare in a community in the UK. I'm here with Mike Buick on a nice um, Sunday morning, and you may hear church bells ringing in the in the distant background. And Mike, you presented a, a very unique uh, project yesterday to the Metaforum. Perhaps you could describe its background and, and what exactly it is. This, I think, is a, a fairly unique uh, piece of work that has gone on in a community in the UK. We started the project looking at possible uh, facilities for people who are usually discharged from hospital or are struggling in their own homes uh, to provide a place of safety and a place of care, uh, but that was not a hospital nor a medical facility. And to do this, we made use of the facilities that were in people's homes where loved ones had been looked after before but had passed, had passed away or had moved on or got better. Um, and this was a fairly unique and, and, and innovative uh, creation by a colleague of mine, Paul Godin, uh, following the death of his father, who had such suitable facilities in their house. Um, this was going very, very well, and we understood why it went well, because people were in a nice environment to receive their care. It was safe because we had digital solutions within it to, to look after them, to make sure that uh, uh, they were being monitored well. And there was all of the facilities you'd expect, such as nursing, physiotherapy, etc., uh, available to them. The thing we didn't know would happen was the uniqueness of the relationship with the host. And it was that that I think Metaphorum would, would be interested in, and, and was part of that sort of creative innovation that's going on in caring in communities. And the uniqueness of the relationship was because not only did they provide a service, but they provided a friendship and an ongoing friendship with people who once they returned to their own uh, uh, normal residence. Uh, the second unique part about it was that they, these people who were in that hosting position uh, wanted to continue that relationship if that person deteriorated again and provide either facilities for them again or just uh, enable in this terms to help them. And, and the third thing that happened uh, and, and, and is developing is the host got to know each other and formed a network. Now I think, uh, having been at the Metforum conference in the last 24 hours, a lot of what we've heard about is VSM and the, the stages of VSM, which is a viable system. And, and I think the health service in the UK is stuck in one to three, that's the here and now. Whereas what we need to get to is that almost radical view of communities taking responsibility for the provision of certain services and improving the well-being of, of, of their citizens. Um, and I think this is actually part of a movement, almost like a big society, as I said yesterday. And I can see the relationship with empiricists in Metaforum who are trying to develop examples of networks where you can take the VSM model that bit further. 
Perhaps you might brainstorm any similar applications in health that you might see, or whether uh, have your thoughts about what might happen in the future? I think there's a, a revolution going on at three levels in the health service. There's a sort of fourth industrial revolution that we're we're in at the moment, uh, and that's around uh, pharma, biotechnology, and digital applications within health. Now, these could you know, grow like topsy and actually overwhelm us. So I think from the beginning of this, you've got to think what are the outcomes that you are desiring and how are they going to be helping us? Not necessarily how do we use the latest technology. And I think if you have a systems approach to this and start to look at how the workforce changes and adapts to it rather than it being thrust upon a workforce. And that I think is this bottom-up approach that I've always encouraged people to do as a medical leader in that unless you have the, uh, the hearts and minds of people delivering it and they understand what the changes are, it would uh, deliver either poorly or not at all. So I can see a great application when we start to use concepts such as telehealth as a routine in monitoring people with, with their ongoing illness. And to do this, you need a research base that shows it's effective, but you also need a system in place uh, to make sure that that monitoring and supervision of it, it keeps it safe. So I can see us working quite closely with some of the innovative projects that are coming through the Entrepreneur Programme in how it will actually be applied across a system and not just in a single area of that system, which is what we tend to do currently. That was Mike Buick, a senior advisor on healthcare in the UK, speaking about his experience with the community-based healthcare project and also how VSM might help with healthcare in the future. While VSM is certainly not the only proposal out there for improving organisation, we think it's worth considering both on its own merits and as a complement to other methods such as sociocracy. It can also work well alongside conflict resolution techniques like non-violent communication. Of course, all of these methods are only useful if they help us to achieve something we actually want. So, in our next podcast, we'll be exploring the idea of progress and the process of developing a more well-being-oriented economy and society. Many thanks to John Walker, Ian Kendrick, Mike Buick, and as always to Leisha Kelly for her music on the harp. Mm-hmm.